Hi, this is Brian Brodeur, and this is the East Main Media Podcast. We're doing a special episode today. It is June 13th, 2018. And today's episode is really in reaction to the loss of chef and TV personality and producer Anthony Bourdain. Our previous podcast episode featured producer, director, and novelist Paul Lally, who worked on a number of PBS projects, including Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for years and Ciao Italia. And he's done quite a bit of work recently self-publishing his writing. And during our conversations in part one of our podcast, which was recorded over a year ago, Paul and I spoke about Anthony Bourdain mainly in context of people who are doing what they love to do. And, and Paul's comment or perspective on that is when you love what you do and, and say you're on TV, you know, you could be doing anything. Paul's line was hooking rugs. You know, you can hook rugs and we would watch it because you're in your bliss. And that's how Paul described Tony Bourdain. And we released that podcast Wednesday, uh, a week ago, and within 48 hours on Friday after that, I woke up to a iPhone alert that says uh, Anthony Bourdain dead at 61. So without necessarily being too maudlin about it, um, you know, I wanted to take a moment and talk about Anthony Bourdain and what he and his show and his art, his work, what that meant to us here at East Main. And I'm joined today by two key members of our production team, senior producer and operations manager, Kayla Galka, and associate producer and project manager, Morgan Taylor. So we haven't really planned what we're going to talk about that much, um, but I wanted to at least start by framing the conversation a little bit Parts Unknown and, and Anthony Bourdain's other shows, uh, you know, a Anthony Bourdain worked closely with a production company called ZPZ Production, 0, 0.0 in the city and in New York City. And I sort of jokingly would say, well, they do what I want to do when I grow up. You know, what they did was a very high benchmark to me and their level of quality and how they produce those shows and with high production value in the camera and in post-production and how they brought themes and styles to their shows and how, most importantly, how they collaborated with Tony Bourdain and how that show, and, and I'm speaking of Parts Unknown, but this applies to No Reservations and their previous work, how I really felt that I... I understood and I just plain old liked what they did and, and they were sort of heroes to me and my team here at East Main at the ACM uh, facility here, we, we would watch episodes and I would sort of yell at the TV screen and comment about, you know, the really cool stuff that was being done, whether it was in editorial or, the rhythm and prosody of Tony's writing and how they cut to music and all these different things. It, it really was so inspiring to me. And I have tried to pass that on to the team here. And 
really in a way of being excited about that work and letting them know that I was excited about it. And this was a place where I thought we could aim to take our work. So I wanted to sort of jump in this room uh, with my two colleagues and have a conversation. So let, let me just start out by throwing the question to you, Kayla. You know, I've sort of expressed, you know, what all of that meant to me. And I know that you're a fan of the work. On Sunday nights, you and I would sort of like each other's social media posts when we were posting during the show's airing, you know, on CNN. Um, what did those shows mean to you and what did you like about them? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I think actually less of the production side of it. Um, but I think what drew me to the show was just his storytelling, Anthony's storytelling and food. I love food. So just seeing the different types of food he would eat. But then what that became, that it wasn't just about the food, it was about the people and their stories. And then like learning more about the different cultures. That's what really drew me to it. Um, it made me want to travel more explore be more open not stick to like the touristy paths but see mm -hmm. beyond that and mm -hmm. talk to the locals and experience what the locals do i mean even when we travel locally in the states our first thing is like we'll go on google and we'll see what the top restaurants are but read the reviews from the locals because that's where we want to be we don't want to go to where every tourist is going i think that anthony bourdain like helped show show me that do you have a favorite episode, you think? There's some that stand out? I don't know. I can't think of one. I mean, it's really like right before we would go travel, we would always see, did Anthony go here and look that up, like London or Nashville? So then like that was, that was really cool. It was like, well, let's see if he did a show and let's check it out and then we know where to go or what to check out. Yeah, so I mean, and I've, I started watching... I think season four or five. Um, and then I recently went back maybe like six months ago or a year ago, I went back to like season one, which that, I mean, we could talk about that. Just that's the difference in production. Oh, sure. And he alone too, he looked different. Yeah. He, even his voice matured, you know, his, mm -hmm. the way that he drove the show and, and how he wrote it and, you you see how there's different high water marks during the the seasons. I mean, mm -hmm. this current season uh, is season eleven, and and he was obviously on location already filming new material uh, when he passed. Um, Morgan, I, I want to throw to you for a second. You know, you you've you've watched far less of Parts Unknown than uh, Kayla and I. Um, something that you and I were talking about recently was authenticity, right? And there's an article I was reading, if I can grab it here. This was about, um, this was by Todd Vanderwerf at, uh, at the website Vox.com. And Todd was comparing, he wrote after Tony's death, he was comparing um, Tony to Mr. Rogers. And of course that has a Paul Lally connection too, because Paul Lally um, directed a number of years of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on TV. Um, but the article is really interesting, and it talks about, well, you and I were talking about authenticity. 
tell me, tell me a little bit about your thoughts and what, what you were sharing with me about authenticity on TV. Right. I, I do think that this article and the connection that um, Todd Vanderwerf makes between Mr. Rogers and Anthony Bourdain is really powerful because um, even in the Mr. Rogers, the new uh, documentary that just came out, Won't You Be My Neighbor, mm-hmm. um, in the trailer they talked about how Mr. Rogers didn't um, feel that he needed to wear a silly hat or, or do something over the top in order to make a connection with a child and in order to um, connect with his audience on television. There was this authenticness of just being himself, um, being who he was on TV that drew people to him and to the show. And we see that here at the studio, watching Parts Unknown and yeah. just following the career of Anthony Bourdain, just how he was able to make a connection to his audience. You know, that's the that's one of the big points that I wanted to make and express in, in doing this recording today, which is that Anthony Bourdain, I think for me, and I think for general viewers, the, the Tony Bourdain we saw on TV, we felt like that was him, you know? And when we heard right. him outside of the show or whether we saw him tweeting or whether we read an interview, there wasn't any disconnect. We never felt like he was putting on and that's a that's a little bit like the point you're making, which is that authenticity of, you know, he was grounded and he said what he wanted. He didn't care. He had a point of view. He expressed it. But he was also open minded, you know, and open hearted. And that's how he produced what he produced. You know, it's how he did his show. And, and to your point, Kaylee, you know, that's how he explored cultures and how he explored you know, different foods that maybe you and I wouldn't naturally try. You know, I think of one of my favorite episodes, I think it's Thailand, and he's doing the blood soup. You know, he's e- eating the blood soup. And I mean, come on, who's going to try that? But mm-hmm. here they are, and they're talking about it, and they're in, you know, the kind of the family, it wasn't even really a restaurant, the family, like, setting. And a lot of people think about Anthony Bourdain or the cliche is like, oh, the guy who eats the crazy food, you know, that was kind of his moniker. And yeah, I get that. And that's certainly a a hook for him. Right. But back to the authenticity piece, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the authenticity that Tony Bourdain's life and career has brought to everyone that's inspiring to watch. It's interesting because I think people long for that, right? It's one of yeah. his, that was one of his uh, gifts or, or one of the things people really related to mm-hmm. that they, I feel that people wanted. You know, I think this invades our politics these days too, is one of the reasons our, our current politics are driving in the direction they are, I feel, is that people are tired of the BS, And Tony Bourdain was a guy, at least his persona, at least the person that I think we knew, you know, that we saw Mm -hmm. on TV because we didn't know him. But the person we saw was a no BS guy, you know, and I admired that. I related to it in some ways, you know, that's that same kind of attitude I think we carry as a team and as a company. Um, I was going to say, I mean, it was refreshing to watch. Because he was the no BS guy. And it's hard to get that uh, other places. 
Um, I don't know if that's because he had, like, the creative role or the ability to produce and be creative with this show mm. that let him do that. Meaning on his own terms? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like... I'm sure it's part of it. Yeah. So it was nice. It was, like, nice to see that. Yeah. Um, and he asked questions that you wouldn't normally ask. And um, yeah. what was the one... Like the one episode when he went to dinner with the Russian spy. Oh, yeah. Um, and then a few weeks later, that Russian, I, I don't know his name. It's in my yeah. notes here. Yeah, but he then was he assassinated. died. Yeah, he was killed. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he put himself in positions, but it was to show us, it was to show America, like, what's really going on. And yeah. let's, let's really talk about it. Um, so I, I, I thought that was refreshing and that it brings on the authenticity of right. who he is. Yeah, and that's why, real. yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's why we felt like we knew him, that everyone knew him, even though we didn't know him. Yeah. Um, he didn't hide his feelings. If he was upset, he was upset on camera. I don't know the one episode when they were like on the boat and he had to make dinner in the dark and he was so upset and he was so angry, but he's like, I have to feed my crew. You know, like they could have edited that out, but they didn't. Like they kept it real. They kept it raw. Um, and it draws you mm -hmm. in and it makes you want to continue watching him. Yeah. It, the whole concept of the show, it's off the beaten path. It's parts unknown. It's yeah. topics yeah. that are that are unknown that you don't see. It's not the the glints and the gleams and the Instagram filters of mm -hmm. like made up and looking all pretty he gets down into the the dirty into the things you don't see to show you mm -hmm. like reality to be authentic with with everybody well, yeah that's one of the the fascinating things about how they produce the show too is so much of the look and feel was in the cameras and you know i i think and, and i don't want to compare their work to us I'm, I'm only relating to it you know when we go out and we film on location most times we don't have the luxury to film tons and tons of B-roll and wait for the perfect sunset and things like that. And I really admire how they, you know, ZPZ and, and, and that whole team that they would get such incredible pictures and weave them into a visual tale, whether they're on a boat in, you know, the Pacific somewhere or they're in Berlin, like the episode that just aired and, then you fold on that layer of how they would stylize them. So you look at the montage of the, the dancer at the end of the Berlin episode and they shoot it really diffuse and in black and white. Mm -hmm. And it, they really go after these things. The whole series of shows where they, they go down the rabbit hole of producing them like certain movies, you know, uh, the James Bond episode in, I think it's Jamaica and just you know you can you can chuckle at it when you get it and then there are the all of the themes in the rome episode that it's referring to mussolini and the dictators and that's an echo of trump and there's so many things being said on multiple levels but they were bringing their a game at all levels you know yep. and one week you'd see it stand out in one way or like the thailand episode where they, they did a ton of sort of rotoscope and and graphics and animations and yeah. and and almost psychedelic pieces and the, the Tokyo episode with the nightlife and neon lights and oh mm -hmm. it's just 
so many episodes were off the cliff. But then the, they had episodes that there literally wasn't even a single graphic where it was all in the camera. You know, it's all high, high frame rate. That's one of my favorite episodes is, is the, the uh, Lyon, France episode where they go and spend time with Paul Bocuse, who's passed away now. But, you know, they, they go with Daniel Bolu and they cook with his parents and they have high frame rate footage of the fire and all of that stuff. It's just very plainly and directly shot, but it's gorgeous. And it tells you all the production values in the camera. I just love that stuff. A lot of the story was really told through the camera lens, but there's also the lens of Anthony Bourdain through his own lens as a chef mm. and how he sees the world. Um, what kind of topics and things showed up in the shows based on his career as a chef? You know, the the through line of food, and Kaylee, you mentioned mm-hmm. this was a touchstone for you. You know, the through line of food and cooking was the doorway. You know, that was the doorway for us as a viewer to go down the road with him. And he would introduce us to those topics that, you know, pick any destination, Iran, you know, he ends up sharing a mm-hmm. meal with a family in a house, but he's talking about the political situation in Iran. And that's, you know, generally he did that all the time, you know, so I mean, you can even look at, uh, you know, the Hong Kong episode, the, I think it's now two episodes back from, from our recording now, uh, you know, the whole opening sequence, you know, is with Christopher Doyle, the cinematographer and, and Tony seems t- so like tickled, like so thrilled to be with him. And they're, they're goofing around. He, and he seems like a little kid and he here, take the camera and all this. And so, so anyway, so he, he ends up the next segment, they go right back to that where they're sitting and having conversations, but in, and food is there. I think, I think with Christopher Doyle, he has ramen noodles or he has, he has a, a bowl of noodles, which was his favorite thing, you know, like a, a great bowl of noodles. Mm-hmm. And that's always the commonality. You look at the very famous Barack Obama episode yeah. and that was all set up in Vietnam and ha- I think it was Hanoi in Vietnam. And they sat and had sort of a traditional neighborhood meal mm-hmm. and talked about the world, you know? Um, and they had a beer and they had a beer and that table now is memorialized there. They have it sort of plexiglassed off at that restaurant. That's great. Um, Kayla, tell me a little bit more about, I mean, you've done some traveling and tell me a little bit more about how watching those Bourdain shows helped inform your travels. I mean, you mentioned that you would research Mm -hmm. your destinations, but when you actually showed up in a place, how did that translate? I don't know if, if he said it or I or I was watching it when they did the remembering Anthony Bourdain on CNN. Yep. Um, but food is a commonality. Um, so it's just a way in to talk to someone yeah. and you can have differences, but what what's similar is that you're eating the food and, and enjoying the food and then that was a way to open up a conversation. Um, like he might have, Anthony might have not agreed with someone on the other side of the table, but at least being at the table opens the discussion up. Um, or you might not even like the food. It's, he it's the like, grandma rule, right? Yes. He was talking about yes, that. Which is funny, which I can relate to because my fiance Mark's grandma's <laughs> Italian. So if grandma gives you food, you eat the food. 
Right. Um, and, you, and you say how great it yes. is and you ask for seconds. Yes. Well, you know, I think sometimes in in relation to that, because of my music background, you know, like, like Bourdain, his background was coming up through the culinary world and he pursued an education in that and then, you know, went through all of his kind of trials and tribulations, heroin, you know, all of that. I can't relate really to any of that stuff at all, but my background, I think, what well, what can I relate to? Well, music, my background's music. So that's so vastly different than food because mm -hmm. everybody has opinions of music. You know, I might like a piece of music and you guys say, well, that music stinks and, that, and your opinion's perfectly valid. But when you're eating food, it's much different, mm -hmm. you know, and you can have different cultures and different flavors, but. I actually think they're kind of similar, yeah. just what you brought up before about like blood soup. Oh yeah. I, Oof. you know, taste in music, taste in food. Taste I in would, blood soup. I would not uh, touch the blood soup, but um, I do think to Kayla's point that food brings people together. Music brings people together, even if there are those differences. Mm. Um, it's a way of uniting, and it's something that you can do to bring everybody together and then discuss politics or discuss differences. But mm -hmm. you're doing it on. Um, I would say good grounds, like you're yeah, well, common ground. Yeah, yeah. Com common ground. Common ground. Yeah. It's something that yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good. It's point. a softer Two subject. Two people can disagree, but then they can find common ground through. Hey, I like the Beatles. Hey, so do I. You know, or mm -hmm. I, there's always a piece of music that everyone likes in common because there's such a variety. And I right. guess food is the same way that way. To your point, mm -hmm. yeah. It's funny you should bring up music because I feel like Anthony Bourdain used a lot of that in Parts Unknown. It's true. So much. And like he used music or poetry in ways to transition to the next scenes, mm. which we've I've noticed, um, you know, watching all the watching his shows, which I find interesting and I and I really like it. And there's always like a punk or like a hard rock scene that leads into something else. Um so it's interesting. I don't know if it was like that in the beginning, if he used music as much, but it almost mm. felt like he was also using, like he was using food as to get viewers to watch his stuff, mm -hmm. but then it also became about music. Well, one fact immediate is they didn't use stock music. They scored no. their shows. Mm -hmm. It was custom music, which is amazing. And, and again, something I admire, you know, that mm -hmm. that's great. But they also cut with it. You know, they produce the shows with music as an informative element, not just, oh, stick the punk tune under this section. It, it was like a character. And, and they would cut the pace of the show or cut transitions and scenes with that music. And I love that. Yeah. That's like all day for me. Which I would say is just kind of how you edit. And it's true. how we edit here. Yep. Um, like our editor went to school for music and wanted to do music and now he's an editor for yeah you know well, all our shows well there's a long-standing kind of acknowledgement that musicians bring that musical skill to the edit room mm -hmm. um look there are lots of great non-musician editors that's fine but at at least here i think we relate to that you know and certainly speaking for me you know that's I find rhythm in everything when I when I cut. It's mm -hmm. visual rhythm, dialogue, spoken, prosaic rhythm, obviously music. I can't get enough of it. Uh, you know, 
I will be editing that way until people tell me to stop editing that way. You know, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. It's good. Do you have a favorite episode or segment in uh, Parts Unknown that related to music? Wow. Um, How they cut it together? I'm trying to remember which episode. Kayla, you'll remember mm -hmm. we were in my office and I was losing my mind because I was I was replaying this segment of one of the shows. The one with the with the psychedelic graphic? That was Thailand. I don't remember. I and mean he I was remember like in the car and then right, the little, he literally went to a cartoon. Was it that one? I just don't remember if that was what I was flipping out about the the rhythm because mm. I was pointing out the voiceover and the cutting of the images uh, off the you're top right. of my head. Oh, no, See how you're unprepared right. we are you're for right. this yeah. podcast? No, you're right. Yeah. I remember. My favorite mm. was Nashville. Mm -hmm. We, they me and bowling? Mark. With, no, was it when, that one? Um, they were in the house with, it was, what's her name's with the band. house? The band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he was they, cutting with the brother. And they, yeah, and they yeah. put a show on. Like, yeah. they performed the, the house band. Concert, yeah. And me and Mark were, fr like, freaking out. We're like, how are they doing this? Like the Jack White was on and, drums. Yeah, right? he yes. shows up on drums. Yeah. It was crazy. Just like, I'm just like, where were the cameras? Where was the crew? That's like, right, because it was super tight. Yeah, right? they were like jammed in this room. It was room. so good. Yeah. It was so fast, and it was like, not the Nashville we knew when we went. But I was like, I gotta go find that in Nashville. Well, you see, it's <laughs> like I'd love to have the ZPZ crew here because. I would say, you know, the the quote mistakes or the coverage or the, you know, those little things that we always know that end up in shows, mm -hmm. you know, you never see. And I'm sure they would sort of laugh and point some things out. Oh, look, we had to do this. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's just so well put together. Yeah. Like to your point, how do they shoot this house concert? And it sounds awesome. Yeah. And, and it's properly exposed and in focus and like, but still manic yeah like off the hook and frenetic mm -hmm. it, it's i mean again it's just how did they do these shows it's so cool yeah and to my understanding they would shoot and have these kind of grounded authentic conversations and then tony would write then he would sort of write the voiceovers and and assemble the show mm -hmm. and and that really resonates with me because you you really come back and yeah. are able to tell the story which one of the articles was saying like his process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like mind blowing. And I feel like I have more questions. Like, how do you get so much B-roll? Like, did they ask for permission to film these people? Like, they, they, they just have so much of it. And it's like, how did they do? I just need to know. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, I think this is from the website Creative Planet. And they break down all these things, the overall approach, the people, mm -hmm. uh, production qualities. Oh, yeah. He says that they had no, like, there's no, like, pre-production. Yeah, they just go into it. Minus probably the guests. Right. They have to, they have to assemble the locations yeah. and, and assemble the guests and then they go. Yeah. Yeah. And well, to your point of B-roll, it's like, okay, then how do you, how do you even know what to capture? You're going in, just capture everything and we'll... Figure Basically. out what to use later. I that's, love that. Yeah. You know, Fantastic. That's some of the content that we create around here, we do that. Mm -hmm. And we're going into an event or we're going into uh, some staged uh, cheese show shoot or whatever. Mm -hmm. And okay, we might kind of think we know what's happening, but we grab stuff. Uh, it's fascinating. I think, Kaylee, you told me they use 70 
cards yes. of media storage yeah. and they don't back it up no that's what they yeah. were until they will go back to the city then they ingest it and then free and then figure it all out it's insane which that would just give me anxiety <laughs> from all the places yeah. that he's been you and know, what all is the something... work that is yes. for one you know what set of shooting ins- like oh, confiscated was, yeah. what if it got confiscated like you know traveling especially like when he like went to iran and stuff like sure I don't know how they did it, but yeah, it crazy. shows it shows that anything's possible, you know, when you have the passion for it, you make it work, you make yeah. it happen. Well, I mean, again, Paul Lally spoke about that in our podcast recording from again over a year ago. We briefly touched on Bourdain and he said, hey, his passion is just oozing off the, the television. Mm-hmm. And and I think you can hear that you know, in music, when you, when a musician is passionate or, or a a speaker, you know, or just when you meet people, um, you know, we have another episode of Paul Lally to air, which we were going to air today, but we, uh, decided to sort of preempt that and, and let that, uh, be published next week. Um, I guess that brings up the question of, you know, Bourdain's reported cause of death, you know, which is suicide. And in Paul Lally's, in the second half of his conversation with me, we're talking about the challenges that field production brings when you're on the road, when you're away from your comfortable either studio or, you know, sleeping in your own bed at night and how it's lonely and how it's isolating. And again, this is over a year ago that we spoke and and Paul mentions his advice to young field producers is don't be suicidal. Don't, you know, uh, Morgan, what's the phrase? Don't take the suicide pill or something like that. Cyanide. Cyanide pill. And of course he wasn't referring to Bourdain and, you know, he was being um, hyperbolic. He was not trying to say that field producers are going to kill themselves, obviously. But yet we sit here talking about Tony Bourdain being on location in France and not coming down for breakfast in the morning because he hung himself. And, you know, we won't cut that out of our conversation with Paul Lally that will air next week. But it's worth at least mentioning that that exists, that, you know, we don't know what was going on in Tony Bourdain's head. We don't know what struggles he had. Um, he had a little daughter who was almost the age of my son. And for whatever reason, reasons, you know, this happened, that he takes his own life, you know. Um, whenever we all lose someone in our lives, now I'm saying that about Tony Bourdain like he, he's a friend or that we knew him, that's silly we he wasn't our friend we didn't know him but like a lot of people i think we felt a connection to him and in our case i think we sort of saw a piece of what we wanted to be right Mm -hmm. in who he was at least speaking for me i i appreciated a lot about his personality and his no no bs attitude and that stuff but also doing what he did with his colleagues in the world. And I think I speak for you guys, you know, like, wow, we really put our finger on that and and we acknowledge that and, and we salute it. So I, I definitely felt a sense of loss 
and will after that show is done and it's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, he wasn't our friend and he wasn't our family member, but what he did and what that show was, was something that we identified with and it resonated with us. Um, I'd like to hear what you guys think about that. You know, what, what's your perspective of this person not being in our life anymore? Yeah, I mean, I, I also feel like he'll be missed, like I'll miss him and the show. Um, he made you feel like you did know him because um, he was so honest. Um, so you feel like or I feel like I knew him and it's like, why did he do this? But, you know, he can't show his his full self on this show as much as honest how honest he was. Yeah. Um, you never know anybody. I mean, you could say that same thing about your parents or your siblings or yeah. family member that you know them, but you know, they're their own human being and you'll never know what they're really going through. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to judge him. Um, it, you know, but I definitely think I'll feel the loss. What do you think, Morgan? Well, even as producers and as people who work in the media industry, uh, Anthony Bourdain was someone we looked up to. We had said before in previous conversations, he was someone we wanted to be when we grew up. Like Mm -hmm. as a uh, documentarian, as a storyteller, um, everything he did, the work he put out there was inspiring. And I think um, even as we saw when when the news hit of what happened to him, like the whole world was kind of baffled. The Instagram streams were just... Oh, yeah you know, just a flood of people sharing their memories of the episodes, um, colleagues who had worked with him, um, and just the impact that he had on their lives, whether uh, he he was known personally by them or not. Um, So I think that we're we're all going to miss him and the work that he has done. Yeah. Um, You know, but onward we go. You know, it's sort of like he's gone. We have that weekend and and they're airing more of his final shows, unreleased shows. But the news cycle and and our lives are churning so fast. You know, suddenly, boom, we're on to a North Korean summit and the back and forth about that. And, you know, we're on to other, you know, kind of politics matters and whatever it is, you know, and. We have all kinds of things going on here at the studio this summer, and we're on to that stuff too. But, you know, anyway, I I guess for the listeners of this podcast, I'll say thank you if you've made it this far. <laughs> you know, thanks for listening to all this. But when I talked to both of you, Kayla and Morgan, and said, hey, let's sit down and talk about this, for me it was about I wanted to sort of ex- express this. I wanted to get it out there. I started writing a little bit about something, you know, about this topic, but I thought it was easier if we just sat down and talked about it and put stuff out in in the world. And Anthony Bourdain aside, you know, if, if I want to just say Anthony Bourdain's parts unknown, if we just want to isolate that show, and I really mean that the show, the work he did as a, a TV, uh, personality, producer, writer, and his team and the mm-hmm. ZPZ people. Um, I would love it if I, when I would comment on social media about a show or something they did and even have a small dialogue. And if they liked, a, if they liked back a photo of mine, I was thrilled because 
they do such great work. So that's different now. Mm-hmm. You know, that that is changed. And something you guys have heard me say, you know, which is that business is change. And you know what? Expand that. Life is change. Mm-hmm. So um, final thoughts, Kayla? I want to, like, say thank you to the ZPZ production and all the great work they have done. Huge team of people. Yeah. And, you know, we're also thinking of you. Well, we look, we know. Yeah. The loss of Tony doesn't diminish their abilities. No. Yeah. You know, they will, I mean, they do tons of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they will go on to do other things. And, and they, <laughs> here we are talking about the loss of this guy. They actually have the loss. You know, they knew this guy. They lived with Tony. They collaborated. They created with him. And so, yeah, I mean, I obviously thank them, right? Of mm-hmm. course. But. You know, my first thought when hearing that news was, oh, man, the ZPZ people, you know, they, the whole team, Lydia, Chris, it, you know, Zach Zamboni, you know, one of the DP camera operators, like all of those folks, you know, just crushing, you know, because as vibrant as Tony Bourdain was to us as outside viewers, yeah, he was probably 10 times that to them. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you to them and, you know, our condolences, too. Mm-hmm. We feel you. What you were, to, to your point, Brian, of um, life has changed and moving on and things like this change or shows that aren't happening anymore, people who aren't in our lives anymore. Um, it's just as things move forward, sort of what do you take with you? It's like the takeaways from... Uh, what we've seen watching Bourdain's show, following his career, just choosing what to be inspired by and take with you in the future. Well, you don't wrap it up and toss it out. At least for me, I want to go back and watch all that stuff again. I want to watch all those episodes. And I know people have been talking about watching the recent episodes, looking for the problem with Tony or like what Mm -hmm. was going on. And Oh, he was on the shrink's couch. He was on the psychiatrist's couch in South America, you know, or or some dark voiceover. I mean, to me, that's fruitless. It's just, we don't know, you know? So for me, and, and Kayla, I don't know how you look at this, but yeah, I, I want to go back and learn, mm-hmm. you know? I, and I'm, st- I'm still curious about that. And I want to watch how they built those shows and what they were saying and how they did things and how we can learn from that and bring it to what we do in all aspects mm-hmm. in the writing and the music and the, in the post-production and yeah, it, it won't because he's gone. It doesn't change how we've looked up to that material, but now it's just not going to continue the same way. You know, it won't, it won't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, yes, life is change and we move on and things change here. You know, and onward we go.